passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons. I'm Chip Patterson. Barton, you are in NFL Draft HQ Central. The the big traveling circus that is the NFL Draft is coming to your town. And you are going to be a part of the CBS Sports coverage on CBS Sports HQ, uh, CBS Sports Digital. You're going to be on the set. You're going to be on the scene uh, holding it down with some of our friends uh, at the which Saloon. Uh, doghouse, doghouse saloon. So if you're in Nashville, if you're in Nashville, go say what up to, uh, Will Brinson, John Breach, Danny Cannell, Jamie Eisenberg, um, and a, and a cavalcade of characters. One of our three sets that we will have for the NFL draft. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I am in the eye of the storm right now. Nashville (laughs) traffic is off the charts. I saw somewhere where this is supposed to be. This weekend is supposed to be the most people in Nashville ever. Like in the history of the city of Nashville, there will never has never been more people in the city than this weekend. That is that is what the what, what we're being led to believe. So uh, I, I I think that means it'll be fun. <laughs> and the the Uber the Uber rates the Uber and Lyft rates may be a little a little high. But uh, I think it's going to be fun. Well, I mean, you've got, first of all, you know, the last weekend in April is annually uh, a primetime Bachelorette weekend. No doubt. Bachelorettes may be the, the, the ladies that schedule their Bachelorette parties. Um, For NFL Draft. Know, Unknowingly. <laughs> yeah, they didn't realize. <laughs> they might have bit, bitten off a little more than they could chew this weekend. There's going to be a lot of uh, – there's going to be a high – Jersey quotient around Broadway, and uh, I'm not sure the Bachelorettes quite knew what they got themselves into for this one. Because all the all the Broadway bars, saloons, typical uh, haunts are are like being they, they've all been like bought out by banks and corporate sponsors that are like renting them out for clients to come in and and hang out. So I don't even know. If 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 the typical bachelorette crowd is going to be able to poke in and out of of the bars the way they they typically do, so I don't know what this is going to be kind of wild. I mean, we're all the way. My, our setup, our, our main setup 
for CBS is all the way in sort of almost Midtown on Demumbrian Street, not even down on Broadway. So that tells me that uh, that territory uh, is is hard to come by. So they're going Broadway will basically be totally shut down, right? Yeah. Op- yeah. yeah. All open festivals, probably some stages, street vendors, just just yeah. blowing it out all the way. Yeah, all the way, no doubt. <sighs> Concert series, all of the yeah. Full speed. Yeah, I, I, I cannot. There's, there's a, a group of girls from, um, <laughs> maybe, maybe they're from somewhere in South Carolina, right? And they booked right. this a long time ago. They're not even NFL fans, you know. Like they, they right. root for the Panthers when the Panthers go into deep playoff run. But boy, they're gonna step into the whole different world there, Jersey world. Yeah, yeah, they're from. Uh, they're from like Jackson, Mississippi, maybe. Like they don't even really pay attention to NFL. Like their husbands just like college football and fantasy. Don't even really know the drafts <laughs> going on. They expect to just you know buy some cowboy boots and put up a couple straw hats on and you know wear their sashes and have some fun. Little do they know they're going to have to be hanging out in Smyrna or something this weekend. <laughs> Uh, and so, of course, you know, watch CBS Sports HQ all the time. CBSSportsHQ.com. You can get it uh, on any of your devices uh, through the CBS Sports app. Uh, CBSSportsHQ.com. 24-7 streaming news network. It's all the highlights and all the analysis. No fluff. No takery. Uh, CBSSportsHQ.com. So this is our last chance for recording here on Tuesday, April 23rd. To, to offer some of our reactions. Um, we will continue to be, be doing this as needed as, as we continue to uh, move along with CBS Sports coverage of the 2019 NFL Draft. But I, I want to sort of start at the, at the top. You know, we did this before, just, just almost like our last check on, uh, on our good friend Kyler Murray. The, basically, we hit a point in the NFL Draft cycle where... I, I at least come from a point where almost anything you hear in the last two weeks is probably a lie or at least uh, carefully placed misinformation or a smokescreen or something to distract you. But two weeks ago, there seemed to be a unanimous opinion that Kyler Murray was probably going to go number one overall to the Ari- to Cliff Kingsbury and the Arizona Cardinals. As we sit here two days from the draft, not necessarily do you expect it, though I'm curious to hear if you expect it, but has your opinion changed at all on that, on what that outcome might be like or your expectations for a Cliff and Kyler marriage in the NFL? I mean, I'm just listening to the, to the guys that are digging in, uh, like our own Pete Prisco, who's he's, he's sort of leading the charge right now, I guess, that, that Kyler won't go one. Right. Um, and I feel like the still the general consensus from the draft Knicks is that Kyler will go one, though maybe the confidence is is dwindling just a little bit. I, I mean, my expectation is that he goes one. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if he doesn't, I guess. But I still think, especially if, and I, I'm not as dialed in to sort of what you know the trade value scale is and and what you can get for a Josh Rosen. I mean, it doesn't make a ton of sense for me to me to 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 use a first round pick on Josh Rosen and then one year later, you know, give give him up for like a second or third round pick or whatever the the going rate is. But I also am a very 
I feel like I know what Cliff Kingsbury wants. Having watched what he's recruited out of high school, having watched what he's developed in college at the quarterback position, Cliff Kingsbury wants the best football player. Stat, like, you know, size be damned. You know, he, whatever, the, whatever the NFL kind of code words are for like the NFL looking quarterback, that is not going to register with Cliff Kingsbury. And he was he has been ahead of the curve all along on quarterbacks, whether it's Baker, Mahomes, Manziel, Davis Webb. I mean, he is getting all these guys that, that others are passing on and turning them into NFL first rounders. And I think there's got to be an incredible temptation for him to do the same thing with Kyler Murray because Kyler Murray fits. And yeah, so I, I still have a hard time seeing him pass, but I also I don't know the dynamics of that room to know whether it's even his decision. And and I'm uh, right there with you. One place where I fall very short when it comes to NFL draft talk is sort of the economics of the NFL draft. Like, you know, what is the value of a pick? And uh, like, like, aren't there charts out there that front office execs have that actually have decided what the val- certain values of picks are when it comes to trading picks. And I, I do not think that that's going to be a place where I'm going to be able to deliver uh, the clear-eyed view about whether to trade Josh Rosen, what you should wait for Josh Rosen. You know, Are you going to get him for eight, $0.80 cents on the dollar, what have you? But I do know that while coming right back to get another quarterback in the first round, in, in that view – is something that you're like, well, why are you going to do that? Um, you know, you're basically wasting your pick from a year ago. I mean, haven't the Arizona Cardinals already made a decision just by hiring Cliff Kingsbury to enter a new era? Like, right. is, isn't this year zero to, yeah, to pick up Cliff? Yeah, yeah it kind of makes no sense not to just dive in and go full speed yes. at this thing if, if they're going to hire Cliff Kingsbury. Because I remember, like, I, I was supposed to be on the mock draft on CBS HQ, and, and my internet wouldn't cooperate. And so, but, and, and, and I was on the clock, and actually, I got, I inherited Brady Quinn's team that he had selected. And he had picked um, Kyler first. And before I could defend the pick, you know, Brian McFadden and a couple of the others were saying, hey, you know, this is, he's, he's got to run an NFL offense. He's got to, he's never, been under center and kind of given to just the sort of the general talking points of like the undersized quarterback and the spread quarterback and it's like and I I was frustrated I couldn't dive in because we first of all the game has evolved from that but but more importantly Cliff Kingsbury is is he is not going to be shackled by that even a little bit no and so it's it just it's if, if we are going to dive into the deep end of the Cliff Kingsbury era instead of just dip our toe in, let's just dive in and do it with Kyle Murray. So that, that would be my, my expectation. But I, again, it just all depends on what the dynamics of that room are. And those are things I don't know. I, like I, I could see college ass Cliff Kingsbury. And I don't say that as like a totally negative, but just definitely to point out the, you know, how, how ingrained he might've been in that lifestyle. He, I couldn't you see him? It, it would be the ultimate college football coach move to draft Kyler Murray and be like, well, actually, we're going to go into training camp with both of them. Look forward to seeing them, them compete. 
And right. I'll choose a winner before week one. Right. And that's, you know what? Like, and that's, I kind of like that. Me too. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, yeah just, let's go. Just draft them both, have them both go into camp and have back, them compete back, against each other. And let's just compete it out. Yeah. That is, that would be the ultimate college football move. And it would blow, it would blow, there would be so many, uh, like it's a good thing that that job is the Arizona Cardinals and not the like the New York Giants, the New York Jets, or or even like the Washington Redskins. Like I'm just thinking about the afternoon drive radio hosts who now fancy themselves to be like you know part time GMs. What are you doing? That's a waste of an asset right there. Cliff Kingsbury's I, out there. Like I think they're both going to get better. But what I'm thinking, but like. I, you can correct me here if I'm if I'm misremembering, but have we ever really had like when do we ever really have an NFL quarterback competition? Like, yeah, sometimes we'll have a quarterback competition. I guess when we're talking about, uh, you know, two guys that are battling to be the bridge quarterback for one season until they get the you know a draft pick next year or whatever. But I mean, back to back number one picks battling for a starting job in the NFL talk about think about that drive time radio like we think college spring practice is is heavily scrutinized and quarterback battles are 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 hot topics I can't imagine if two first round quarterbacks were legitimately in a quarterback competition that would be that would be awesome that would be be very entertaining and let's take it a step further think about the two personalities there with Josh yeah. Rosen and Kyler Murray. And yeah. like some of Kyler Murray's personality is like the aura of Kyler Murray and everyone around Kyler Murray and just sort of like this, uh, you know, his confidence sort of breeds this, um, you know, you almost just sort of buy into it. And then Josh Rosen, you know, he his personality, I, I would go as far to say like you can be turned off to it, but then you see him play and you're like, man, that guy's awesome. And so you sort of jump on board. It's like they've, they absolutely are the different ends of the magnet. And if they were going at it all through training camp, oh man, that'd be awesome. It's hard for me to envision them being best boys. No, like that. That's a, I feel like there'd be a little, uh, uh, there'd be some antagonistic sort of, demeanor to, to both of them um while we're playing the hits here i want to ask you first uh do you think that there is starting to be and again this is like a judgment of the you know things that don't matter you know momentum and steam and and you know like does it feel like people are really uh hyping up this it's almost like stock market you know right like you're just like oh are you are they going up where's the value going uh Dwayne haskins I think that that is a player who either his future is decided and everyone seems to know like where he might land and I I don't know where that might be but I don't hear a lot more as much as we did at the end of the season I mean the man threw 50 touchdowns 4800 yards passing like he was unbelievably productive and I just think that because Ohio State fell short of the playoff, which again goes back to getting blasted by Purdue. I just I think that there was a, a little bit of overlooking some of that production, and now I've hit the point where looking at Haskins and trying to figure out, you know, what not just where he might fall in the draft, but where he stacks up against the rest of this draft class. 
I find him maybe a little bit more middling than top end than I might have thought, considering, at least in my book, he's the number two quarterback. I, I think Dwayne Haskins, I, w- I wouldn't say he's polarizing because I don't think anyone thinks he sucks, but there there does seem to be like a faction. There, like there's, there's very much Dwayne Haskins factions. There's the people that are like, he's, you know, he's just a guy, he's a good quarterback, strong arm, but he's not that, he's not, you know, that elite kid that would be a, a, a top five pick in every draft. It's just a, a, a product of the, the quarterback pool this class. And then there are the guys who are like on the Dwayne Haskins train and are, are sort of caping up for him, ride or die Dwayne Haskins guys. And I, I actually am sort of somewhere in the middle, I think. I, I think he's very definitively a top two quarterback. I think it's him and Kyler Murray. I think, am I excited about him? Like, would I be excited about him with like the number one overall pick? I'm not sure I'm there. He's got an unbelievable arm. He throws as pretty a ball as there is in this class. I, I, he's, was, I think he's a little bit of a product of the system. I think he was – he completed a lot of passes. I don't know. The ball placement was always right where you wanted it to be. Like I saw the, I was at the Penn state game. Yes. He drove down the final two minutes and won the game, but those completed passes were all screens and I saw him miss some balls. And one of the most, one of the biggest plays of the game was a, was a missed throw that sort of was Ohio state benefited from. And like, so I just think he's not a perfect prospect, but I do, I, I I'm, I'm inclined. To, I'm, I'm, I think I skew closer to the guys. Like in, in in some ways, I think he is like your safe double uh, in this class. Maybe not a home run, but I think he's a safe double. He's a he's a you know he's a, he's your starter. He's going to be a starter from for a, a long time. Uh, is he ever going to be a, lead you to a Super Bowl? I don't think he's going to keep you from a Super Bowl. I don't know if he's going to put you on his shoulders either. It's just a, he's kind of that guy for me. Like. In in a world where I think if you are an offensive coach who wants, uh, I like to call them the joystick quarterbacks. I think he could be a very good joystick quarterback. Yeah, like if you want to, if you want to be uh, the all in kind of like micromanage, set everything up, and and have a a quarterback that can go out there and just deliver the rock. Like that can be Dwayne Haskins. But I I'm looking at him and I'm believing that there is. I believe that there is development. There's more development left, and you could say that for a lot of these players, right? Like, I mean, that you are still not as much as we do in the NBA, but you are still drafting based on the idea that uh, for some positions, at least, there's going to be a few more years of development before the prime is hit. And I just, it is a small sample size for competitive, like live competitive action for Dwayne Haskins. And so I think that if you draft Dwayne Haskins, you've got to hope that his delivery, um, his decision-making, sort of his his comfort within whatever the system's going to be at the next level, because those things didn't really get tested um, in an otherwise wildly productive and record-setting season. So if, if you think that Dwayne Haskins is what he is, then he's probably an NFL quarterback for a while. Uh, I think if you're if you're looking for Dwayne Haskins to be your starter, I think Dwayne ha- you have to hope that Dwayne Haskins has some more development, or at least 
you know, things that he didn't put on tape during his one year as the Ohio State starter? So I've got a few uh, kind of things I got to get off my chest here uh, on some of the potential first couple day prospects. All right. I don't know if you got anything um, as well, but I wanted to – I'm going to throw a few things at you, okay? Okay. And you can uh, you can take them where you want to go. One 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 overarching statement I want to make. Well, this is statements, okay? One of these statements is I think there are in this first round I think there are two guys and I'm not I'm not saying they're going to go in the top 5. I'm not saying they're going to that they are going to be I'm not saying even that you know there's value picks that you get picked before them, but I think there's two guys I'm confident will be Hall of Famers. I think Devin White and Devin Bush will be Yeah! <laughs> I'm not, you know, I, Nick Bosa may be the, the appropriate first pick. Quentin Williams may be the, the, the best player in, the, in this draft right now. But in terms of just high floor and high ceiling, I think Devin White and Devin Bush are the two guys in this draft I would feel most comfortable saying will be Hall of Famers. There is there I had forgot not forgotten. I mean, I've just been covering golf and college basketball. It had been a minute uh, until I wrote something for CBS Sports this week. Till since I had gone back and just looked at how instinctive and twitchy and awesome Devin Bush is at filling running lanes and just like attacking the ball, chest up tackles like Devin White. Um, like so good at that, like short, like short distance closing speed, just playing all over the field. The, the two Devons are like, I basically have been throwing out to, uh, I I said, there are, I want to hear 12 defensive linemen and two Devons taken before the third quarterback is right. That's what, that's, that's the way that I'm looking at this draft. I want to hear 12 defensive linemen and both Devons before I hear, uh, a Daniel or a drew come out of Roger Goodell's mouth because the, like those two dudes. Yes. Like I, I don't, I don't have a good contentious. No, you're wrong on that. Those are two of my favorite prospects in this draft class. And I think either, you know, both of them probably have ways that you could nitpick. Uh, I guess Devin Bush, what is it, mostly size? They think he's a yeah. little bit undersized. Yeah, forget that. But, I mean, how many – like, that's the thing, though. Like, in the, if you think about the great middle linebackers of all time, or, I mean, so many of the Hall of Famers are imperfect from, a, from just like a trait standpoint. They're just, they're just, because at that position, it's all about like an alpha mentality, a demeanor, a, an, an instinct. And I think that those guys have all that. And then when, when they, when both, the, I mean, I knew what Devin White was going to run. I knew he was going to test off the charts. But when Devin Bush goes out and pops off a 4-4, whatever, and a 40 inch vertical, then it's like, all right, well, what, what is even, what is there to doubt on these guys? Yes, size is imperfect, but I mean, there there are Hall of Famers everywhere that were six under six one, you know, at, at linebacker. So uh, I just think the the leadership, the instincts, 
those are the things that really separate for those two guys. Like, doesn't it? Um, remember, like, I felt like we had conversations about Fournette where we were just like, man, I don't know. Leonard Fournette's just a really good football player. He's right. just he is just a good football player. Like in this sport that we're playing, we micromanage every play and every aspect of every play and every trait. But like, just just playing this sport, Devin White and Devin Bush, they. They seem to be playing it at a very high level consistently, and if they are given a full bill of health, they can be Hall of Famers. Right there with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So let me think. So well, here's Do you want me to got. throw uh, a declarative yeah, yeah, statement? Yeah. Go oh, yeah. I've, I've got four or five declarative draft statements. Um, I am not... I understand that it's a position of value in general throughout football, but when it comes to, you know, stacking up these prospects, I think that there are I think that there is a gap as I see it between uh Garrett Bradbury from NC State, Jonah Williams from Alabama, and I when I was filling out my top 32 I did not have room for Jawan Taylor from Florida, Andre Dillard from Washington State. I think that the need to have offensive linemen in general in football is boosting some offensive line prospects that I, again, as overall prospects, I just don't see as top 32 guys. I think that this is a just like at the quarterback position, I think the offensive line is a little bit thin. And that's going to lead to some first round, which congratulations, go get your money. But I I think that that's going to lead uh, to some first round selections and more value picks for players that I see as better overall in the second and third round. I wonder if Andre Dillard is this year's Colton Miller or... I don't know off the top of my head what the other... But like it feels like every year there's a guy that runs a 4.9 and a 40... And and GMs and scouts convince themselves that he is a great football player when in reality he is a great athlete. Obviously, Andre Dillard is a good football player, and he might be a great football player. I'm not going to pretend like I've watched the Andre Dillard film and broken down how physical he is in the run game. I know he gave up like one sack and 677 pass game snaps or whatever it is, but... I, I think there is a – I mean, every year it feels like a, a, an offensive lineman gets overhyped in the first round uh, by seducing everybody with his, his combine numbers. And Andre Dillard, I feel like, could be that guy this year. And I feel like coming from a program like Washington State, it's so easy to bulk up those pass set – like those, those pass set statistics – where they're getting the ball out every, you know, so quick every snap, and they have so many pass snaps that, of course, he's going to have like impressive resume as a pass blocker. Uh, is he physical enough? So, I guess to support your point, I, I've got some questions as well. I mean, the Juwan Taylor dude is 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 sort of a mauler in the run game, um, and and he's been tested, battle tested in the SEC. Uh, he's always been this 340 plus pound guy. Like, is he going to be able to be light footed enough over the long haul to, to do what he needs to do in the NFL? I don't know, but, uh, I think it's a fair, I think it's a fair hesitation or concern in this cycle. So do you 
put it, I might be putting um, some uh, like misplaced value in this, but remember a couple years ago, the SEC coaches decided that they knew better for all SEC teams and like they wanted to make sure that they put out their own all SEC team at the end of the season. And, you know, some people, you know, the coaches poll sometimes gets poked at a little bit. They joke about it like it's the SID poll or maybe, you know, coaches don't have enough time for this. But if you put into the idea that, you know, coaches who are not allowed to vote for their own players really do fill out the players who they value and they've watched, you know, more tape than most media members just by preparing for games. Uh, Taylor didn't show up on either the first or second all-SEC coaches team. And in fact, Martez Ivy showed up on the second team. And so if the SEC, like this was almost not a tie, not a tiebreaker, but a factor in my consideration, you know, I'm, I'm trying to go back to people who study it more, who've watched it more. And, and if the SEC coaches aren't saying, man, like that guy, that that's someone who, who really is causing problems for us, then I wasn't as inclined to buy in on the idea that the physical aspects that make him so enticing have been backed up by a a full college career of being elite. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know on, I don't know what to believe on any of these. That's, that's why I typically do resort to leaning on our, our favorite O-line gurus that we've, that we've, shout out from time to time on this show because I'm not necessarily convinced even the coaches are really, you know, putting any like actual time and effort into putting those, those teams together. Um, so I just don't know what to believe, but maybe you're right, but maybe they do. So I just don't know. Um, all right. So back to you declarative statement, declarative statement. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons will be one of the best five to ten players in this first round over the long haul. And if there is any question about character, I believe it should be a non-question. I I think so. Jeffrey Simmons always, and this is not, this is not a. I'll just. Jeffrey Simmons was always a guy going through the recruiting process that seemed like a 10 out of 10 on a character scale. Um, those guys, we can get fooled by that. I mean, that's, so don't, that's not a reason uh, enough in and of itself to sort of doubt any character issues or red flags. That said, I mean, he clearly comes from a rough background. He had the incident prior to enrolling at Mississippi State, which was an ugly incident. But everyone you talk to at Mississippi State, and I've ta- I've talked to people about Jeffrey Simmons, like, and they don't say this. This is not just like a, an across the board statement that they make about every one of their kids. Like there, there's there's doubts here and there about others. But with Jeffrey Simmons, there is there, there is zero hesitation there is total enthusiasm about what he is from a, from a character standpoint what he's been since he's arrived in Mississippi State so he has the knee he has the supposed character red flags the way people recover from ACLs these days is not like it's, we're not like 1975 here he's going to be fine from an ACL standpoint and 
turn on the film. He's one of the top five players in this class. And from a character standpoint, if you talk to the people that are actually around the program and around him, it is a, it is a zero. It is a non-issue. So whoever is, is willing to trust their sources on that and actually and trust the doctors on the knee is going to get incredible value when he falls outside of the top 15 or whatever because I think he's worth a top five pick. Even now? Even right now, I, I think he's worth a top five pick. I mean, not taking into account need. I mean, I, I probably take Quentin Williams and Ed Oliver over him. Uh, I don't know. I, I take Quentin Williams over him. That's probably a safer pick. But I don't. I and I'm and I think it's a very real discussion on Ed Oliver or Jeffrey Simmons. But I think those three, to me, are top five guys in this class, and. Maybe I mean they may be the top three players in this class, in my opinion, uh, and and I I'd, I'd take Jeffrey Simmons right up there as high as you want to go with him. Wow. Okay. Well, and hey, to my earlier point, the SEC coaches had both Sweat and Simmons on their first team for the defensive line. Problems. They cause yeah. problems. All right. I will I will go. I think that Jeffrey Simmons falls into a a category like. Are you are you concerned? Uh, are you concerned about like Rashawn Gary reportedly having a, a labrum issue? Are you down on Rashawn Gary? Like I, I think that Jeffrey Simmons with injury falls into falls out of the the Quinnen Williams, Ed Oliver, and I guess Nick Bosa maybe ca- categorizes more of an edge. I would sort I slot him below Josh Allen, but then he falls into that that big group of other defensive linemen where. Jeffrey Simmons probably even with the injury ahead of Christian Wilkins for me, but sort of it in that in that second large group of still very much top fifteen, top ten in terms of overall prospects. But there's I don't I don't know. I like you had him all the way through high school. Do you think that the only reason that he's falling is because of the knee, I felt like the the idea about um, the I thought character issues or uh, the or like the 2016 incident. I thought that those were not that anyone had moved past it, but that it had been already settled as part of his overall analysis and profile. Well, I, yeah, I would think so too. But you still see a big like. And and maybe this is just a media narrative. Maybe maybe NFL teams are past it. But whenever Jeffrey Simmons is brought up, there is character like character red flag. You talk about like do what guys have red flag. All right, Jeffrey Simmons has an injury flag and is a character red flag. So I don't know who's presenting that, but it is a it is a common narrative that there is a there is character there is a character flag there that you have to get past if you're going to draft Jeffrey Simmons. And my contention is, is past it. We've, we have, we have passed that up. Um, and, and he is, if anything, it's a character plus to me based on not, not, you know, it's not a plus that hit that incident happened, but it's a plus that what his, what he's presented over the last three years as an adult in college is, is 10 out of 10. So, it's a non-issue, and so. But to me, you talk about a labrum for like Rashawn Gary. Like a labrum to me is more concerning than a than an ACL. An ACL is just hey, you, you repair it, you 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 know you'll 
they'll be as good as ever when you're when you're through it. You know, labor is something that could linger year over year. Um, so I, I just think there's there's value there with Jeffrey Simmons. Do you think? All right. So if there's value with Jeffrey Simmons, do you have the same uh, view that Jeffrey Simmons has the potential to to separate himself over the long term? Yeah. I, I think he's I I think he's one of the top five players in this in this class. Did Fletcher Cox play at Mississippi State or Texas A and M? Mississippi State. Mm, that's why. <laughs> I do yeah. this awful thing where I like uh, I see you in a jersey and and like that's uh, like you know how they're like sometimes it happens where uh, the player comps end up. Uh, being tied a little too racially and you can kind of catch analysts sort right. of like tripping over themselves and, and just, you know, unintentionally, I, I assume in many cases, my fallacy is that if there was another player who played your position and was dominant at the school, I think I just see your uniform and helmet. I was like, man, he could be Fletcher Cox, right, Barton? He could be Fletcher Cox. Right, yeah, but uh, <laughs> I'm acknowledging my own, I guess, uh, bias here that maybe it's just the Mississippi State connection. But, I mean, I, I think Flet- if he's Fletcher Cox, then he's not a Hall of Famer, but he is he is a top-level, top-tier defensive lineman, and I think that's probably how I have it playing out in my head. I think you take, yeah, yeah. And you like take said, that. There's only, there's, only two, there's only two Hall of Famers on this list is Devin White and Devin Bush. But hey, I'll take a I'll take a multi-year All Pro. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, more declarative statements about the 2019 NFL Draft right after this. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Podcast, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. 
Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Okay, my turn. Um, A.J. Brown, greater than D.K. Metcalf, change my mind. No, I'm not going to change your mind. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Like, who... I want to know. Like, I want to know who are these people and why do they think that DK Metcalf is a better receiver than AJ Brown? All he can do is run faster than him in a straight line. That's it. He's a little bit bigger. He can run faster than him in a straight line, and that's it. AJ Brown's a better route runner. He's more productive. He's better at contested footballs. He can run routes. He can change directions. He, I mean, DK Metcalf. Average three and a half catches per game in a high volume offense. AJ Brown averaged seven plus. Like uh, Demarcus Lodge averaged, averaged six plus. Like I don't, I just don't understand how. I mean, maybe, maybe I'll, we will be wrong. And DK Metcalf, and and this was just like NFL guys being smarter than us. And I and I and I don't think DK Metcalf is like going to be some t- some bad football player. I mean, he can be. He can have a role, but why? Like, it's it, it, it absolutely is such a contrast and like such a a. a it's it's the compare. Like, not only is DK Metcalf overvalued as a first rounder, but there is a there's a there's a receiver on his team, right? That is like, I, I think, very clearly a better football player than him. So I'm with you on that. What all right, so what are the player comps that they're giving DK Metcalf? I don't know. I mean, I that's a I don't know. Are they are they trying to say he's like Calvin Johnson or Terrell I, Owens? I mean, yeah, like that's I'm I'm gonna pull up like the NFL draft site and see what they're comping him at there. I, I think that I, I would say that I go AJ Brown greater than DK Metcalf. I might go Hollywood Brown greater than DK Metcalf. I mean, I, I would go Nikhil Harry. Oh yeah, I would go. I mean, I, I'm 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 just saying, like I would get because and and I I don't want to be too exhaustive on DK because our our NFL Combine recap, you know, we went pretty hard in the paint on DK Metcalf, and and again, if you're gonna draft him to just to be your your vertical stretch the field receiver. Uh, and you're just going to have a receiver for every role in your offense, then that's a good role for him. And he'll be, and I think he could be a good player. I just, but we're, we're talking first rounders. And, that, that was and my there's big... a lot of, there's a lot of first round wide receiver busts. Mm. There's a, there's a lot of them. And if you're talking about a guy like this, and this is a guy who is, I mean, he's got some of that to him. I mean, he's, he's a second percentile athlete in the change of direction 
um, drills and the change of direction tests. A second percentile NFL athlete at the change of direction type uh, tests. Let me get now, all my. Uh, let me get all my. Ninety eight percentile athletes in the in speed in the linear tests. But when you ask him to change direction, he he is as as bad as they come at the wide receiver position in the NFL. Mm. Uh, it's like the. You think you're getting Calvin Johnson, and this is just a very Georgia Tech joke, but you end up getting Stephen Hill. Yeah, I mean, the the NFL draft, the NFL.com draft site comps him to Josh Gordon. I just think Josh. I don't. I'm not sure I see that. But my big swing in uh, the top 32 prospects was Nikhil Harry as my number one wide receiver. I think I got him at like 19 or 20. All right, so let's let's. Let's talk about uh, Hollywood Brown then, um, because this is this. I mean, so we're we're talking receivers. Is 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 the is it that he's going to be Tyreek Hill? Like, is that the is that why we're all in love with 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 Hollywood Brown? No, it's uh, Deshaun Jackson. Okay. Yeah, that's every everyone like he he can be Deshaun Jackson. And that's the idea that uh, that sort of he's being put into. Put put him I outside. Put him inside. Um, where, where where are you with him? Where are you with him? Like, are you are you believer? He's the best one or two players at the receiver position this draft. What like where are you with him? Yeah, I am. I think that there's like there's something about the fact that to me that wide receiver room incredibly talented. And Hollywood ended up with a lot of the balls, right? Yeah, but is there any level of like Lincoln Riley um, offensive, uh, uh, you know, offensive creation out of the the system that Marquise Brown benefited from? Are you concerned about that at all? I no, I believe that. Uh, Kyler Murray and Oklahoma's offense benefited from Marquise Brown. I think that, I mean, you know, I mean, some of that is when you're the, you know, the, when you're the offensive genius and you are given a, a unique offensive weapon, you, you put them in positions and you draw up the plays that are going to highlight that. I mean, that's, that's just putting together a winning game plan for Saturdays. And when he hurt his ankle in the big 12 title game, I mean, Oklahoma won that game, but it was a little bit shaky. And when he was trying to come back and against uh, Alabama in the Orange Bowl, he had a pretty bad game. And it wasn't, you know, Oklahoma made that late charge that made it exciting. But that, you know, I, I thought that that played a big role in Oklahoma's offense, um, you know, having a little bit of trouble. I mean, Alabama had a really good game plan to throw him off from the start. But I, I think that his the loss of Brown from the big 12 title game and you know, his, his poor performance in the orange bowl, like only sort of reaffirmed to me that he is not, he, he was not a, his success was not a product of the system. His success benefited the system and helped everything with that Oklahoma offense. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be evolved in my thinking, but I'm just, I'm really, I'm like having a hard time with 160 pound receiver. I I I, I rem- like late in the year, and I know that a lot of it was due to his injury. But the last couple games of, of of 
the OU season, I'm I'm envisioning a lot of contested balls that like he couldn't bring in. And I get when he's out in space, he's tough to deal with. And and I I guess Deshaun Jackson makes sense. I'm just I'm not sure. Like if the Titans drafted him in round one, I'm not sure how confident I'd be. It can take some time for some of those players to settle in. You know who uh, started to play pretty well as a number two, number three option after a rough start that included some injury issues was Curtis Samuel from Ohio State. They got, yeah. they got. I mean, he's diminutive in frame, and they got him doing some slotty, scat, stretch the field kind of stuff with the Panthers. And it, he was lost, out of place, couldn't see the field, got a little bit hurt. But after a year or two of adjustment, he really started to, you know, the coaches talked about him a lot more. He really started to find his, and he was really, what, a running back for the most part at Ohio State. But he's he's starting to settle in as a, a regular rotation wide receiver. And I, I think that if we're talking about, um, in this particular draft class, if we're talking about Hollywood Brown being among the top, you know, two, three, four, definitely not number one or two, definitely not number one, and maybe not number two receiver, you're talking about a player that you're not expecting that wide receiver to come in and immediately be a one or a two. And I think that because you're because of um, you know the the change in like change of direction, the top end speed. I think that that is worth it when you go down to just just adding a, a a spark and big play potential to your wide receiver room. All right, where where are we at on Noah Fant? Because here's my here's my Noah Fant question. I looked this up. If Noah Fant gets drafted in the first round, he will be the least prolific pass catching tight end to get drafted in the first round since 2004. Benjamin Watson. So, I he's he's a now now the the counter argument to myself is that George Kittle in the same Iowa offense just a couple years ago, while he wasn't a first rounder, he had a less prolific pass catching career at Iowa than even Noah Fant. So, I'm very conflicted on Noah Fant. I am. I would f- certainly feel better about T.J. Hawkinson. I think I'd feel better about Irv Smith. But if we're going to go Noah Fant in round one, I want to know: Do we believe a that he is the exception, and b is it time for us to start browbeating Iowa a little bit for not getting more production out of these freak show tight ends? Mm. Especially when they've got uh, NFL ready Nathan Stanley under center. <laughs> <laughs> Supposedly. Supposedly. Allegedly. Um, yeah, no, I'm in on Hawkinson. Uh, and my edge for Hawkinson is uh, like being able to get down on the line and also be a pretty good run blocker. I think that that brings some, some versatility. I think that Noah Fant is exciting to NFL GMs for – you know, 6'4", 250 pounds. He, he lines up in the slot. He can move around in the offense. He can get down on the end. Like, there is there is a lot of uh, – I mean, isn't, isn't that I, – I didn't write this because I wasn't confident in, in it enough 
but I can I will discuss it on the podcast because I can get some instant reaction here. But is this now like the post Gronk era where everyone wants to get themselves like an imitation Gronk or figure out a way to have that tight end that can sort of do it all and move around and cause matchup problems? Rob Gronkowski has been very, very good for a long time, but it has been now, and especially with his retirement, sort of brought about, in my mind, the idea that that is a trend that everybody is looking for. And George Kittle's success with the 49ers became proof positive that you don't like you can just go and find these guys if they've got skill sets A, B, C, and D, physical traits A, B, C, and D, and then they're just going to all of a sudden become a matchup nightmare. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess everyone's looking for Gronk, but I mean, these, none of these guys are Gronk. No, not Gronk it, in particular size, but I, I was thinking that Gronk in terms of like your role in the offense. Right. Well, that's, I mean, and that speaks to like, I'm not sure Noah Fant is necessarily a, you know, guy that's going to really impact the run game as a blocker. Now, that's why TJ Hawkinson, I think, is is the guy at tight end because he, he can be that. Right. As a blocker. I agree. Um, so, but I, but I, I do think, I mean, just in looking at who gets drafted at tight end. Oh, I got uh, Jay Sternberger. I, I might, I might I take that. Sternberger over Noah Fant because that's, uh, 17 yards per catch and 10 touchdowns. Yeah, I'm with that. And and Pro Football Focus had some has has been putting out some damning numbers on Fant too. Like he's had three broken tackles in his entire career. Uh, he's I think it had something like yeah, dropped like 13 catchable passes on 91 targets or something like that. Like so. I just think you know his athleticism is is tempting, but there's reason to think that perhaps it's misleading. But again, I mean George Kittle had like 200 yards receiving his senior year at, at Iowa. Um, so it's there is just sort of an element of like, I mean, they're not, what, what what would Noah Fant be? I mean, he look there there is somebody said for Iowa preparing him for an NFL style game, but. What would Noah Fant have produced at Oklahoma? I don't know. Maybe he would have been a thousand-yard receiver uh, instead of a four-hundred-yard receiver. I don't know. Um, let's see. Oh, this this is more of a discussion than declarative statement. I feel the there there is not a consensus on Greedy Williams, DeAndre Baker. And their physical talents and a season in 2018 were mostly like they were they don't have a lot of they don't have a lot of stats in terms of like passes defended pass breakups a lot of quarterbacks chose not to throw at them and then you've got like this other bucket where you're a little bit undersized where maybe the speed isn't great but you've got Byron Murphy and Taylor Rapp coming out of the Jimmy Lake show at Washington do you favor one or the other or how much do you think that there's a big difference between these you know top end SEC corners and uh the defensive backs coming out of Washington I think I'd take Byron Murphy over those other guys personally uh ball skills big time check I mean you know Greedy and DeAndre have those two um I, and, and I think 
probably Byron Murphy is a little bit less of a just lockdown, put him on an island guy. So maybe he's a little more scheme dependent. But I trust him a little more, I think, as a player. And I know he, you know, he's a um I think he's a guy that is dependable off the field as well. You know, so and I guess there's some like DeAndre Baker buzz about like you know, wasn't wasn't a great influence during the bowl prep or whatever when he was when he when when he was sitting out the um the bowl game against Texas. So I, I don't know. There's a little bit of buzz about that, but whatever. I, I just I just there's a trust factor with me of Byron Murphy that I kinda like. Um and those Washington DBs, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're all start like they're all panning out right now, oh, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh what was it Sidney Jones? Yeah, and uh, Kevin King. Kevin King and, um the uh uh oh, the little safety. Um Oh Buda Baker? Buda Baker. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Byron Murphy came in this, but Byron Murphy was at least like, oh, yeah, of course you know this. Byron Murphy was a, a good signee. Like, that was a good uh, sign for Washington. He was yes. a he was a, a well-regarded prospect. Taylor Rapp was mostly unknown and then developed during his time. Yeah, and I guess, and Taylor Rapp, I mean, there's I think there's other really good safety options, so I get if Taylor Rapp doesn't go first round or early second, but I think he I, he he might be the best safety in this class too. I think. I mean, he's I think he's really really good. He just he ran a four eight, and so it's going to be hard for teams to get over that. Says so Jonathan Abram, another one of those top safety options. Ooh, man, Jonathan Abram is that's a that is a nasty nasty dude, uh, and uh, yeah. So I mean, he's up there. I mean, oh, what who are the like Deontay Thompson is another name from Alabama. There's um, uh oh gosh I'm blanking but there I, I just feel like I've seen a bunch of pretty pretty solid names on the safety board that I'd be comfortable drafting. Um, all right I I'm close to out on declarative statements. Anything else on your notebook? Yeah, those are my, I got yeah those are those are my most my most convicted statements. Um, I'll save I'll save some material for the live draft show in case I get called on by the teacher. Um, but yeah, it should be fun. Jerry Tillery, I'm rooting for, but the expectations aren't as high as what I'm rooting for. Jerry Tillery was a different dude in recruiting. He's one of the he's gonna get he's one of these guys is gonna get like knocked with the how much do you love football because he has other interests. Um, but he's a he's a unique specimen, size and athleticism. I he liked that he, he kind of changed. Didn't you tell me uh, he kind of changed his body a little bit throughout his career? Wor- worked was, on it? He, we, we, we evaluated him as an offensive tackle. We ranked him as an offensive tackle. Wow. He came, came to Notre Dame, played defensive line. Um, and he, I mean, he's, I think he's, uh, I think he's another guy. So he, I think he's a safe, a safe play at the next level. Uh, just a big, athletic, tough kid. Mm, love it he is barton simmons you can follow him on twitter at barton simmons you can see him as part of the nfl draft coverage on cbs sports hq uh follow it on cbsportshq.com the cbs sports app on all of your devices you can follow me on twitter at chip underscore patterson barton thank you very much yes sir